I stood up, I think, that whole game. I have a pounding headache now because I was screaming so much. Kelly Olenek, who would have thought? <laughs> Maybe I just need to stop hating on Kelly Olenek because, again, I was screaming at the TV to put Kessler in because I felt Kelly Olenek was ineffective defensively. He, he, uh, I don't want to talk bad about him, but he can't jump that high. And if he, if he is effective defensively, he's taking a charge. I just, I, I said this during the game and I said, I'd rather lose with Kessler in than win with Olenek. And now I'm eating crow once again for the second game in a row. So Oh, Kelly Olenek. I guess Danny Ainge saw something in you. you. You've you've had big playoff games. I know, I believe it was with Boston. And uh man, I I can't believe that that was who had the ball at the end of the game. We we had Markinen, he passes it off to Olenek. Is that the draw? Or is is that the play that coach draws up? Because I I can see him trying to get to the hoop for a foul, and that's that's one thing that Coach Hardy did amazingly well. I was screaming at the TV, call a timeout, call a timeout. I think I had PTSD so many times from Quinn not calling timeouts in those situations, and I said when he called that timeout, if we make it or miss it, I'm happy because he called the timeout, and I'm so used to us just trying to wing it and giving it to Jordan Clarkson or someone throwing up a crappy shot. The shot we got was solid. Olenek gets in the middle. It's a one-point game. Smart. If he gets fouled, he goes to the free throw line. He he has a little teardrop, and uh, game over. 3-0 Jazz. We're now undefeated and join the likeness of the Boston Celtics. Kevin, go ahead. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, so, Jordan, I know you're a video gamer like me, but have you ever, have you ever played NBA 2K? No. Okay. So, well, I have, but I hated it so bad because I felt like any time I pressed a button, it was just pure luck if it went in or not. So it made me mad because it, it made me feel like it wasn't at all real. Okay, so if you played NBA 2K, I know Kevin has. I know he's played NBA 2K. That last shot reminded me of NBA 2K where you've got a wide open lane and you run down the lane and you go to dunk it and your seven footer does a freaking finger roll. <laughs> was it a finger roll? It was a, it was, finger, it was roll. a finger roll. Oh it my god. It was not gosh. a teardrop. It was a finger roll. I, I straight up thought NBA 2K. <laughs> It was ridiculous. Now I now I need to go watch it because I was just I I almost like turned away from the TV because he took the shot. So I thought he pushed it up over the defender, but <laughs> that's even more hilarious. You know what's hysterical? I guarantee you, Coach Hardy on the sidelines was like, "You know what I'm talking about, Kevin, don't you? You know what? You know that f- NBA 2K finger roll, right? I know 100 percent what you're talking about." I, I bet Coach Hardy on the sidelines was like, wait, that's not the play, that's not the play. And then he goes in and he goes, okay, we'll go with that. Sure, we'll go with that. Why not? Dude, that was unreal. Um I, I mean, it felt like we were in control almost the entire game. I even said that to my wife. I think we we're up by 15 or more. And there was five minutes and 30 seconds. And I said, they're going to make a strong push in this last bit. And I didn't think we would crumble like that. I mean, we took 11 attempts and and didn't score on any of them. And I, fe- I wish I could go back and count how many of those were three-pointers. But again, it was pro- probably PTSD from last year where we get in those tight situations and it's like our guys have no energy to drive, no toughness, and they can't dig a little deeper just to, to get inside the paint. Finally, Clarkson got inside and scored a layup to break our, our drought. But why, why were you taking so many threes? That can't be the plan. Uh, what, what do, you, do you guys remember this? What, what's your take? I credit, um, I credit New Orleans 100%. I, I don't know if you noticed it, but about midway through the third quarter, they started doing what um, we used to do last year um, with Rudy, where we begin to funnel everything in, 
into the paint. And when they did that, we started just blowing them up in the paint. And then they switched um, at the beginning of the fourth quarter where they funneled everything to the outside. They funneled everything to um, the baseline, and we just struggled. They just wouldn't let us in the middle, and we just settled for those silly jumpers instead of recycling the ball. Um, I, I think they changed their defense. I, I give Green all the credit. Because his defense changed, they were they were they were sucking in. They were almost playing like a box and one defense, where they were just um, daring us to shoot the ball, and they were just sucked in, and they weren't going to let us get in there anymore. And it was uh, it was impressive on their part until we hit some of those threes, and they had to start coming back out on us again. Yeah, that that was the point when I started yelling at the TV, put in Kessler, put in Kessler, because. After the third or fourth missed three-point opportunity, it's like, go set a screen. Kessler's our best screener and run a pick-and-roll. Kessler can run the pick-and-roll very well. I've got a, re- I've got a comment here from Dallin Orcutt. Dallin, thanks for the comment, man. He says, third option on that play. Uh, I'm guessing you're talking about the end because Kelly, as the pick man, chooses who to pass it to if they have space. I'll have to go back and rewatch it. Uh, and then he commented again, whoever predicted the close game, good call. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as we saw the matchup stats, If you sorry, if you guys are in here and want to leave comments or request to speak, we are more than happy to let people speak. Uh, that's part of the beauty of this podcast is we want as much interaction from fans as possible. So... Um, I lost my train of thought after saying that. What was I saying, guys? Okay, great. So we win. Uh, oh, the the numbers matched up so closely in the pregame show that my thought is, yeah, there's there's no way this isn't a close game. I didn't think it would go to overtime. I mean, we already have two overtime games in three out of the first three games. What a crazy, crazy start to the season. You couldn't have written this story uh, of us trying to tank, and I want to I want to start advocating uh, something. And I tweeted this out. It was pretty vulgar. I actually spelled the word out, and then I said, "Yeah, I know uh, there's probably some fans that that might offend." So I I put um, F I think at sign percentage sign K the tank. F-U-C-K, the tank. Why Why would we even tank now? There's no reason in my head. We just beat three playoff teams. Handle, well, okay, the first two I felt handily, but, I mean, we controlled this game for the most part, and, and these these guys got to be tired. They're on a road trip. This is their second road, tri- road game, uh, two and three nights. So they just gritted it out and... We won in a crazy environment. That was a, definitely like a playoff atmosphere at the beginning of the year, and we pull out an overtime win. Tevin, you want to talk, or Kevin, because your your speaker's on? Yeah, yeah so I, 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 I don't want to advocate the tank, but I, I do have a few questions, and I was thinking about this during the game, and, and I know that we like to talk about the game afterwards, so if we need to table this and have like a separate podcast about this, uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Are, are we a championship team? No. Are, are we, is this a team that can win a championship? No, okay? but... My, hear me out. Hear me okay, out, okay, out. okay, sorry. That's my, that's, that, that's my first question. My second question is, if we are not a championship team, who on our team who is currently playing are we developing to be with us for the next three to five years? And then my third question is, who is on our team should we be developing right now who could potentially contribute in the next three to five years who's not getting playing time because we want to win? Yes. Okay. Those are my three questions. Great question. So here's my perspective on it. If we do make the playoffs, let's just say we play one round. That one year, one one year round of experience, even if we lose – will be so invaluable to these young guys 
on performing under pressure, knowing what playoff is like, because let's face it, the playoffs are, are just a different game. Physical, um, you've got to be in better shape, they're more precise, you can't make mistakes. So that's the one reason I would want to make the playoffs, is for all of our young guys to get this experience. Now, your next question, in three to five years, who's on the team? Well, let's go through it. Laurie Markinen. yes, he's on the team. In three to five years. Kelly Olenek, probably not. And that's probably why I'm screaming at the TV to put Kessler in. Because I feel like Kessler is going to be that guy. He had so many plays. I tweeted it out today, too. I mean, he had that those dunks where he comes underneath the basket and dunks backwards. Almost like Rudy used to do, but it looks a lot cleaner and smoother and coordinated. Walker Kessler is is the center we build around, in my opinion. Okay, I'm not saying we've already replaced Rudy, but we found a pretty dang good option. Uh, there's your center. Colin Sexton, in my opinion, will probably be the point guard. And watching these games, I think Coach is trying to teach Colin Sexton how to pass more and how to re- make reads better because there was one play where he looked over. He took on two guys, and I think Vanderbilt was wide open. And you could see on the broadcast, he looks over and he goes, oh, yeah, pass. Like you could read his lips. So I think Sexton's struggling a little bit because he's thinking too much. And what coaches is doing is saying, all right, like, you know, we got to go through these growing pains if we want Colin Sexton to to reach his full potential. So I'm totally on board with that. And a lot of people are saying, you know, Sexton's not who we thought he was or he's not scoring like we want or he's he's not as good as we thought but i think coach is coaching him hard okay so sexton there's your point guard jared vanderbilt there's your defender uh and rebounder so i think vanderbilt's on the team and he's so versatile because he can guard one through five jordan clarkson um i would say question mark but i would say he would be someone that could be there three to five. He's not that old. He's more of a veteran, has more experience that could actually lead this team. And he's a bucket if you need it, especially in the playoffs. Um, Mike Conley, I think he'll be gone. Malik Beasley, I that that's one, Kevin, where you're saying, you know, these guys that are getting minutes – who are taking away from the younger guys that we want to see. And I think Malik Beasley is one of those guys taking away minutes. Um, if you noticed, and I'm looking at the box score right now, Simone Fontecchio played tonight. And most people probably missed it because he only played 9.1 seconds. And it literally says that on the box score. Coach put him in uh, right before halftime. I'm guessing for maybe a three-point shot. So that is someone I would like to see play over Malik Beasley and develop because he he was so dominant and had such a great Euro League in the summer that I think Coach sees something in in him. I I mean, I don't know why he put him in for that short amount of time, but to me that's got to be a little bit of a reason. Then you've got Ochai. Ogbaji, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Leandro Balmero. All could be on the team. I think Ochai probably needs to be developed. but And then Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay probably won't be here. Uh, I feel like Rudy Gay has given us good minutes, so it's kind of iffy. But that's to answer your question, Kevin. I Don't think... Forget T- Don't forget THT. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't decide... Yeah, I can't decide on him. He... Yeah, uh, I think he's more of a matchup guy. Like if you if you need a big body ball handler, but he's got to learn how to how to make better decisions. And and tonight he really was not a good fit for this game because we they were running so much and so were we. And man, it looked like he just he just doesn't have speed to like get up and down with some guys. So um, interesting point. If THT doesn't work out then we traded what's his bucket for nothing yeah but i traded to 
Would you rather have Patrick Beverly or take a chance on THT? <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. THT is 21, so it's like, uh, I feel like I'd rather have THT and possibly he develops after a year. I don't know. Um, right now, I mean, I was kind of high on him saying he, he could run the point guard because he does play under control and has a big body like Darren Williams. But uh, I feel like he just hasn't hit his groove yet. So I feel like it's too early. Obviously, we're getting all excited about being 3-0. and But I I feel like it's too early to judge a 21-year-old that is probably getting coached just as hard as Colin Sexton. So, well, uh, we do have to figure it out this year because this is the last year um, that we have team control of him. Um, he's under contract next year, but it's a player option. Yeah. Let me get to some more comments real quick, and then I'll move on to the next subject. Um, didn't uh, Dallin says didn't offend me that I said f the tank. End of second to avoid Vandal getting into foul trouble. Not sure what that was. And then Tevin. Oh, okay, we're caught up. I th- I believe. Yeah. So here here's my opinion on not tanking and why we should f the tank. <laughs> I think one, you gain that experience with your young guys. If you can make it that far Two, this is such a deep draft that I don't think most fans realize. Uh, I was listening to another sports writer saying he believes, um, and I wish I had his name. He was with KSL. He believes that this draft is so good that you can get someone one through the 24th pick. Now, we also need to put our trust into Danny Ainge because, in my mind, he's already rebuilt this team in such a short amount of time. And I'm saying he's rebuilt it because we're 3-0 and have beat three um, playoff teams. If we would have went 3-0 against teams that weren't supposed to be that great, awesome. But we're not. So I, I would put your trust in Danny Ainge. With all of this draft capital and other players with Rudy Gay, Conley, possibly Clarkson in a trade, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker possibly in a trade, he will pull something else off while he's here. If we do make the playoffs, he'll do something with these draft picks to either trade them or he'll scout someone. He knows how to find talent. He drafted... Marcus Smart, he drafted Jason Tatum, he drafted Jalen Brown. We got to trust this guy, and I think we're so used to not having a talent like him. He ranks up there with Pat Riley and Jerry West, in my opinion. Jerry West built a freaking dynasty with the Golden State Warriors, and Pat Riley won multiple championships with the Miami Heat. So as me and my grandpa were talking today, he says – as far as GMs go, Danny Ainge is in that category with Jerry West and Pat Riley. What do you guys think? I mean, I don't disagree with you. He's obviously a much better GM than me, so I can't argue with what he's doing. Um, but I'll be honest, to your earlier point, it is a little, it a little, it is a little unnerving because everybody talks about all this draft capital and. That's that's all it is is capital. It hasn't become anything yet, and it's hard to to bank on something that hasn't become anything yet. Yeah, but draft picks are some of the most coveted possessions. I mean, that's what we've said no or yes to deals on. I mean, that's what broke apart the New York deal, and that's what what broke apart the deal between the Lakers and us trying trying to trade Mike Conley, uh, Bojan, and Clarkson. Was, was draft picks, so I think. But look, look at our la- look at the last ten years NBA champions outside of Boston. Which NBA champions built their NBA championships around draft capital? Yeah, but but the one difference is Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge built Boston, so that's why I'm saying we need to have more hope and trust that he can do it again because. He's already he's already rebuilt this team not even in one year. 
Yeah, no, that's fine. And, and I don't disagree with that. But he also got people to come there, too, through free agency. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be hard here. And, and, and one out of ten. And, and I also look at, like, the 76ers. Um, all that draft capital hasn't done them much. I mean, you look at um, Golden State. What Golden State has done, they didn't do it with draft capital. Um, here's here's yeah. another pushback Oklahoma, on that. Oklahoma, they've failed once with draft capital, and they're giving it another try, and they haven't proved that they can do it. Like, I'm not trying to be, like, the pessimist or whatnot. I'm just trying to be the realist here. No, yeah, and, and, and I think, I think again, it goes back to us being so used to Larry H. Miller jazz and Quinn Snyder, Jerry Sloan jazz, and not being able to get free agents that that's what we're used to. And, and so my, my argument to not being able to get free agents is Utah is no longer a secret. It's one of the greatest places to live. In my opinion, obviously I'm biased cause I've lived here, but if you look at like Donovan Mitchell, he's like, it's so nice and refreshing here to have, you know, outdoors, just minutes away, the ski resort, uh, the hiking, the mountains, the nature, and even Jordan Clarkson, he tweeted out today, I love Utah. <laughs> um, and it, it's, you know, we've got the internet, and I, I feel like the word is kind of getting out about Utah. But what I think is going to bring free agents here is, one, we've got Danny Ainge. Okay? Two, you've got Dwayne Wade uh, as part owner. I don't know what his fraction is. Three, you've got David Fitzdale, who coached in the NBA. Four, you've got Jason Terry as a coach. Five, you got Jeff Hornacek around. So you've got all this NBA talent. I feel like I'm missing one other name. But you've got all – oh, Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith is completely different than Larry H. Miller because he's willing to spend money. I think Larry H. Miller and that group was so conservative, but they did their job. They kept the Jazz in Utah. Uh, They got us to multiple finals. But I think that would be the difference is Ryan Smith over Larry H. Miller willing to bring in all of these people that he knows is better than him, but he's also willing to spend the money on getting these free agents if we need them in the future. Uh, we got another guest. Uh, hang on, hang on. Tajan or Tahin? How do you say your name? I think you got to unmute yourself. Yes. Go ahead, man. It's Tajan. Tajan. Uh, um, I was just going to say, I think now, um, just the way uh, the jazz organization's been built through the years, and now with Danny Ainge and Dwayne Wade and like the, the new the new guard of the Jazz, I, I feel like the, the squad that we have this year, uh, I think we're also playing a, a more of a modern type of basketball that you see now, the, yeah. the long athletic positionless basketball to where before, even like last year's team and then going back to the Stockton era, we played a very like that traditional position, you know, almost felt like a college basketball team sort of now we're playing a lot more um, athletic ball i think if we can keep that um i think we have like a very well-run organization too we just don't we just don't have the generational talents like the lebrons and steph curry's we haven't got lucky with that of course we're a small market team but i think now if we we have the the right people in the front office and they have their connections. I think D Wade and uh, Danny Ainge. I think they can get some guys to Utah that can. We can sort of do what, kind of like what the Raptors did and won the you know, won the title. The the Bucks. I mean, they have Giannis, but outside of Giannis, they all they had was Chris Middleton. So it's it's very doable. We don't necessarily have to have some kind of generational talents like you know Hall of Famers, but yeah. we can definitely put some pieces into the into this puzzle to really and the, and then with playoffs at the end of the day you know winning a title sometimes also just boils down to the right timing and sometimes even luck you know your opponent can get injured like the raptors you know clay got injured in that series and then you know one shot goes in one shot misses and it's a difference between a, a 
the seventh game. So yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things. I I don't think it's not that um, unrealistic to to think that just adding a, a few more things to this team and really just kind of getting everything gelled in and kind of but sticking to what our fundamentals are is sort of like we're I think we're a much better run organization than most of the NBA teams and that's what we kind of you know that helps us really um, make the playoffs all these years. So yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think that we're playing modern, and and thanks for sharing. Um, I think we're playing modern bas- basketball, especially with the length. If you look at the teams that are competing, they really have length. And my grandpa, he's a Jazz fan. I'll probably mention my grandpa all the time on this podcast. He had season tickets back in the John and Carl days, and really, he's the reason I was born into this this uh, fandom. <laughs> but he, he texts me today, and he goes. Uh, three players over seven feet that can actually, you know, play offensively and defensively. Uh, what do you think? And I said, it's pure art. Like, and I think that's what Danny Ainge sees is you, you, you've got to have some length um, defensively. Like you've got to have stops in order to win. Uh, if you look at the two players he drafted, Jason Tatum and, and, um, Jalen Brown, they're both long. They've got, both got length, and they can both play both sides of the ball. Um, we've got one other listener that is wanting to speak. It's C Money at Jeffrey Hornacek. Uh, I believe I requested you. Go ahead. Hello. Yeah, this is uh, Carson here. Oh, familiar, familiar voice. <laughs> Carson, what are you thinking? Um, the difference between this year's Jazz team and in years past is the hungriness that the that the team brings to the court. You know, last year you didn't see players diving for balls. You didn't see players uh, jumping around for for rebounds other than Rudy. So it's it's crazy how uh, the game changes and um, just adding a few different players and players that don't have a big ego can, can really uh, change the team. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And back to Tajin. Sorry, I, I'm probably going to keep messing this. T-A-J-I-N. Tajin. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. Okay. Tajin. Um, back to kind of what you said, too, where it's like we need to just add a few more pieces. I think Kevin hit on this a little bit and you. Uh, it, you know, if we get rid of those guys that probably won't be here, Rudy Gay, I, I, I don't see Mike Conley sticking around unless he takes some tiny contract, but I, I think some other team could use him and want him, and possibly Jordan Clarkson. Then you're giving minutes to Simone Fontecchio, Ochai, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Leandro Balmaro. Oh, and Azabuki that hasn't even played. So you've got... Uh, one, two, three, four, five guys that we haven't seen play a regular season game yet, and we have no clue what those pieces are and how they could fit in. So we could have more pieces than we actually actually realize. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing is you've got to get Sexton where he can be under control at the end of the game. I think that's one reason why he he didn't play, because defensively, in my opinion, McCollum was just cooking us at the end. And I thought Colin Sexton should have been on him, but Coach probably wanted someone under control to also run the offense, and that's why Mike Conley was in there. So um, any other questions, comments, um, things that we need to touch on? I think we're shooting pretty well. I'm surprised that we're we're still shooting very well without – last year we were really – a shooting team, but this year it, it almost feels like last year we, we almost had like four or five guys on the court that, that were there to shoot threes. This year you can just have one or two guys just get an open look and, and we're still dropping shots. Yeah, we shot uh, bigs that are rebounding well too. So, yeah, we shot 43% from the field, 34% from the three point line, which uh, the, the last part when we missed like 11 of them, it felt like. Uh, I felt, uh, you know, dug into that and we weren't getting like really great attempts. Clarkson only shot 30%, which is if he gets rolling, uh, he had a, he had a good game last game, but I want to go on the other side and kind of just run through their stats. Um, I think it'll 
create some more conversation questions. Brandon Brandon Ingram goes out. He only plays 10 minutes. So how much does this game change if Brandon Ingram, Ingram finishes the game with these guys? I, I mean, it would be it would definitely be a different game, I think. Wasn't, He's a, wasn't Zion on the bench for overtime, too? Yeah, so Zion, Zion and Brandon were out. Brandon, Brandon. Brandon, um, Zion, <laughs> that that just sparked my uh, memory. If you remember the the monster block from Clarkson, that after review or after watching the replay three or four times was absolutely clean. And I hate to see Zion go down like that. I uh, don't know if he's hurt. I hope he's not hurt because I really want to see him play. But, yeah, he, he didn't come back in, and you got to wonder if they're so worried about him getting hurt that that's the reason he didn't because um, one of the trainers was over by him um, at the end of the bench or, sorry, during the game on the bench, and you could see him asking, and Zion just kept saying, yeah, I'm all right, I'm all right, I'm all right. But is he all right? Like, the poor kid's been hurt his entire career, and he's such a, a beast. He's just a beast, the way he can jump in his size. But that play, to me, was a little reckless because he was – the reason he fell so hard is because he was trying to throw it down so hard, and he was not expecting anyone to block him. And Jordan Clarkson's not a big dude, not that strong, but he just – he blocked him, and it – totally threw him off balance and i think zion could have totally easily got away with just a simple dunk but in my opinion he was trying to showboat a little bit and just rip the rim off so as we go down you got uh there was a player that fouled out herbert jones fouled out i think they've got some nice pieces herbert jones Calm Oz obviously went off larry nash jr is a nice piece that jose alvarado man I think he's my, my, one of my favorite players on their team. Just he's so small and has such a motor. And then he hit that big three. He he got a, a steal from someone. He has that uh, patented play where he he sits in the corner after the Pelicans makes a play, almost like he's on the bench. And then he comes up and runs behind the player and steals it. And Mike Conley was coming up the court. And I remember it because I saw him in the corner and I I was just yelling, watch out, Mike, watch out. But I believe Mike uh, passed it before he could get to him. So after going through these stats, um, Jackson Hayes didn't play a lot. He was like a game time decision. Um, as far as points, you got Zion had 25. Uh, so, yeah, it's hard to see us winning that game with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson playing at the end and overtime, because that gives them two more scoring options. Uh, you know, if we go double CJ, what do you guys think? Uh, if one of you are talking, you're muted. <laughs> And we've got another comment. Um, hang on. I think we were just all muted. Oh, can't uh, I mute? Yeah. Sorry. Okay. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. Whoever wants to speak next. Yeah, I mean, I I think if there was a game, game, but you know, that's that's a what if. You know, that's part of the game, I guess. Um. I think we we still were doing well even when uh, Zion was on the court because I think with him it's I don't know like one thing about I feel like if he's uh, if he's an injury prone career and he's in our conference it is what it is if they're not with us they're against us so it's that's my thoughts yeah (laughs) so uh, you know that's New Orleans' problem but uh, I I think you know here's the other thing i feel like from the denver game they were playing the same the denver lineup was murray and Jokic was the same one that beat us in those playoffs and we really outplayed them and then we go and win a overtime game and then another overtime game 
away from home. So, so I, mean, I, I guess the next question would be after you say that, like if we do make it to the playoffs, Kevin uh, and Tevin, you know, do we have a chance? Obviously it depends on, I don't think we're beating the Warriors, but we've beat the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Denver Nuggets, and the New Orleans Pelicans. Do we have, and and, and this might be a ridiculous question asking three games in, but do, from the three games, do we have a chance at, at beating or, or winning the first round? I mean, if, if we can shoot like this, we can beat anybody. I mean, our shooting's off the chain right now, but the, there's no way our shooting will, will stay at this level through an entire 82 games, but if we're hot like this in the playoffs, we can beat anybody. You know, I have something, he's not here anymore, but the, the, the other guy that talked earlier, <clears throat> he talked about, you know, what's different with the Jazz is kind of their motor. It reminded me of what um, Danny Ainge and um, Justin said about how last year the team wasn't bought in and how everybody, not everybody, but how Donovan kind of mocked that and said, oh, that wasn't true. And But you know what? Watching these guys play, I don't feel that they were bought in last year. Yeah. I mean, even even the same players look like they're putting a yeah. lot more into it this year than they were last year. Well, um, so, I, so I, yeah. I mean, I, he's shining I, a lot of light on last year's team. He's yeah. to kind yeah. of see the contrast between So. I, yeah, I couldn't I, agree I, more. And, uh, Kevin, just to kind of touch on your shooting, I, I, I mean – this game, I f- don't. I, the first two games, yeah, I thought we shot really well, but this game, I think the defensive pressure was so different um, that it it did remind me of a playoff type of defense. Or, I mean, the atmosphere. Obviously, it was their first home game, so the crowd was electric. They hadn't lost yet, but also their defense. I mean, they made adjustments and they turned it up. The the shooting. I mean, as you look down the board on the matchups, okay, it was almost even. There's like one stat that favors us. So field goal percentage, we shot 44, they shot 47. So they actually shot the ball better from the field and had five more attempts than us. On three-pointers, it was 34% us to 30%. So that's where we beat them. And if you remember in the pregame, I said that's the one spot the Jazz have the advantage because New Orleans doesn't shoot that many threes, and we do. We shot – just take a guess how many we, we shot. Shot? What do you mean? Three-pointers. Um, didn't we shoot like 28? 38. 38. And guess how many New Orleans shot? Mm, 24. 27. So that's nine, nine less attempts, but when you're shooting a better percentage – uh, we hit 13 and they only hit eight. I, I believe that's a difference. So, I mean, 34% from the three point line isn't like outrageous. I think you can keep up 34%. Free throws, I think, made a big difference. We shot 82%, they shot 77%, and we got to the line six more times than them. They had one more rebound than us, um, we had one more offensive rebound than them. Uh, assist, they had one more assist than us, and this is the real one that's, that sticks out, and I, I want to go back through to see who had these, but we had four more steals than them. They had eight, and we had 13, but that adds four more extra possessions, so let's go through. Laurie Markinen had two. Kelly Olenek had one. Vanderbilt, dude, he, I love Vanderbilt. He's just... He's just freaking awesome he had four four stills so he's got to be averaging what did he have the first two games you guys remember i think he had uh four one game and two another game yeah and then you've got colin sexton with two and rudy gay with two taylor horton tucker one malik beasley had one and i believe that's it so i mean defensively we're solid too. It's not just good shooting. It's defense. Uh, points in the paint. They scored sixty-four. They scored eight more than us. They had one more turnover. Second chance points. They actually had two more second chance points. Uh, here's another one in their favor, which they are incredible at. 
is running the ball. They had 28 um, fast break points, and we had 13. So those are easy baskets, quick. I mean, that's huge. And those are usually momentum shifters, which I felt like they had a lot in the fourth quarter of those fast breaks. Points off turnovers, we win. The biggest lead, uh, we're on the other end of this one. We had a 17-point lead, and they had a five. So... So when I said shooting well, it's kind of hard to look at the total game because the fourth quarter was so bad for us. Yeah. If you throw out if you throw out the fourth quarter, we we shot almost fifty percent for the game, um, and so you know here's an interesting stat. How, what do you think our field goal percentage was in overtime? Ooh, I have no clue. Do you have it in front of you? Um, two point field goal percentage was one hundred percent. Wow. We didn't miss we didn't miss a single two point shot. Did, did we take um, any threes in in overtime? Are you looking at that? Yep. We were hundred percent. We didn't miss a single shot in overtime. Shoot. And we went five for six from the free throw line. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, okay. I'll I'll take good shooting on that. But also to kind of counteract, I'm not trying to, like, come back at you, but if if we don't shoot that bad in the fourth quarter, I don't think we're in overtime. Or just switch something up. But I think those are the moments that – actually count the most is like the last five minutes in the fourth quarter like what team can we be and are are we gonna I I don't think coach Hardy's gonna let us just keep taking terrible threes like that in another game Um, to your point to your point earlier we did not get to the free throw line in the fourth quarter no no we shot three for 12 from the three-point line and four for 12 from two so, to your point earlier, we just weren't getting to the basket in the fourth quarter, and that was the mistake that we made. We shot under 30% from the field in the fourth quarter. So, what what would you change different in the fourth quarter? In my mind, I put in Kessler um, in the last five minutes. I, I, I don't know if Coach doesn't trust him yet. I feel like he's better all around than Kelly Olenek, except for shooting threes. Um, I put him in. And you go five out and and run a pick and roll. I think we got up by 15 and coach put people in to try to see what they can do. And things started to fall apart. Yeah. Um, I think this lineup, this this seven man, eight man rotation that we have is maybe all we have. And I think coach knows that. And when he can run that eight man rotation, we're a really good team. But when we run some of the bench players, then we start to struggle. It starts to fall apart a little bit. And I think that that's what happened. I also think, um, you know what it's like playing basketball when you're up big. You just uh, you just kind of kind of yeah, kind of relax and yeah, relax and, a little bit and take some shots. And, you know, you don't want to take any unnecessary risks like what Zion did. Try to throw the ball down hard you, you take easy shots you know and yeah i think i think we just let up a little bit yeah i would than, i would agree that anything else i would agree that coach probably did put other players in and then he got to the point where he was kind of scrambling he could feel the momentum shift and, and it's like we couldn't figure out a lineup to to get the momentum back um dallin Orcut. At Big Door Cut. Okay, I got to spell this so that people can follow you. At B-I-G-D-O-R-C-U-T-T. He says, and Dallin, feel free to request to speak because uh, I think that you have some good takes. He says, I wouldn't trust Kessler in meaningful minutes yet. I'm curious as to why. Let's go to Kessler's line real quick and see what he did tonight. Shot 50% from the field, uh, one for two at the free throw line. He had nine rebounds, two assists, two blocks, two fouls, uh, seven points, and was on the plus minus plus nine. So, Dallin, uh, you can either text it in or request to speak. Why do you think that? Because I think this guy is uh, a hidden gem, personally. And I th- and my my take on playing him would be okay. Yeah, he might not win you the game yet, but 
he would develop in those high pressure moments. And like I said earlier, I think he's the center going forward for this team. Anybody else want to comment on that? I think he'll have his chances, though. Yeah. Devin, you. That's all I was going to say. He's going to have a chance in the year to prove that. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm sorry. My, my son's been ridiculous trying to go down to sleep. I don't, I don't I think. I think, uh, I think Walker Kessler needs those moments where he messes up and realizes, oh, I can't do that. Or, oh, I can do that. And develops in game in those big moments and realizes what he is and is not capable of. Yeah. And so I think now is the time to get those big minutes and get those the big uh, time for him to know what he can and can't do. Yeah, I would agree. Dallin, you are on, buddy. I'm glad that you requested to speak. Go ahead. Thank you. I apologize. I got five kids. <laughs> You're all right. We're okay with screaming kids. We've all got kids, yeah. too. We're from Utah. <laughs> um, so the reason why I wouldn't trust Kessler, he's an awesome player. Right? Don't get me wrong. I love watching. I love I just don't want us to get too ahead of ourselves and uh, put him out there for where he's going to get lost on the floor in those minutes. And and like you said, he could learn in those valuable minutes, yes, and may not win us the game. So I, I agree there. And um, But, no, he's, he's a great, great, does everything, just fantastic. And like I said earlier, like if a Kelly Olenek can teach him how to pass and passes that on to – Kessler, I mean, Kessler could be a great all-around player. Yeah, yeah, and um, kind of while you're speaking, I thought, you know, I- I've yelled at the last two games to put in Kessler over Olenek, but again, it's made me eat crow, and uh, Olenek was huge in winning these last two games. He hit big two, th- two big threes last game, I believe it was in overtime, and then he hits the game winner here. So it's like, Maybe maybe that's why I'm running a podcast and not coaching basketball because I would just ruin the team. But <laughs> I have coached basketball, so that maybe I have more of an a, opinion about it. Um, I, I'm kind of more with Tevin where I want to I want to develop this kid because I just kind of see greatness in him, and he's already improved immensely on the defensive end. He's I, I would like to see how many blocks he's averaging. I want to say it's two plus a game right. so far. And, and not to interrupt, but um, the the only thing I would hold back on is he, it's in his rookie season. Like we're three games in. Yeah. Like I want him to be able to see this is how it's done to win the game. Yeah. And then yeah, just to learn that from the older players yeah that's a that's a great point i uh i probably haven't thought of that because i want to win so bad so i appreciate you for for sharing uh one one more question for dallin and then i'll let you go kevin how do you watch the jazz game with five kids like explain that to us so i have a uh ipad and <laughs> you go in a closet <laughs> as I'm cooking and attending to them. Yeah. Um, and I watch it. Um, I probably shouldn't let this out of the bag, but I watch it on a sports surge. I used to buy the pass on NBA league pass, but everything's blocked I, out. I, yeah. I actually stopped watching the jazz for a while. Cause it was just making, I like had to shut off the game too much. It was depressing. When Donovan and Rudy were on the team, and I just stopped watching for the last couple seasons, and I actually got back into it because I was like, oh, they got a new coach, new team, and I said, oh, I'll start watching again. Yeah, yeah. So I had gotten the best of the last two seasons. The fact that you have it on an iPad wandering around with five kids I think is more impressive than just putting it on a big screen with five kids. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, Dallin should be running this podcast. He seems like he's got it together. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I got on a Twitter space, I got on a Twitter space with KSL and a bunch of, uh, sports writers and, and I requested to speak just like you guys are here. And literally the first question they asked me is what are your credentials? I'm like, I don't, I don't need to have credentials to speak about a jazz team that 
I've been falling for 20 plus years. Like, so I kind of went off. I'm like, how about I name my kid Stockton and my daughter Sloan? I have a jazz tattoo. I've got a bunch of jazz memorabilia. I've got a pocket. I mean, what? Why do why do we need to have a piece of paper? Yeah, why do we why do we need to have a piece of paper to look up stats and talk about it? I mean, come on. So, anyways, Kevin, go ahead. I, I don't. We we probably got so off topic of what you were wanting to say. No, no, no. That that's fine. Uh, it's it. Two things. In addition, you said that because I did read a Twitter post the other day from a from a guy who was in school to get his degree in media and um, requested an interview with Locke. Um, I saw this. And got, like, it, it wasn't a pleasant experience. He basically got, got it, but was basically told, you know, if you didn't work for the Jazz, you'd have never gotten this. So, um, I, I have seen that and other things where the media are very tight-knit and they are a little bougie and think that they are better than everybody. Um, that's why I thought the Holly Roll, Roll thing was really cool with Tevin mm-hmm. because... Not very often do those people kind of let people into their inner circle. They they like to think that they're better than everyone. Anyways, um, so anyways, kind of, I did get off a little bit of a side note. I don't know how many of you follow RSL um, or are soccer fans. Um, I'm a big Utah, uh, Jack, uh, Utah sports person, major sports. But a couple years back, we had the rookie of the year. If you don't remember, his name was uh, Corey Baird. Um, Corey Baird came out, scored nine goals as a rookie, had four assists, and was rookie of the year. Was phenomenal. Has never scored more than two goals in a single season since then. Um, And the reason I bring that up is I hesitate to go all in on Kessler just yet because what makes him so good right now is that nobody has tape or data on him yet. And once they get that tape and data – if he doesn't find a way to adjust, he won't be as effective as he is now. So I think in a sense, not putting him in these big moments will allow him to be more effective and grow naturally, in my opinion. And this is just my opinion, because if he comes in and he just plays all these minutes, that's just more tape. People are going to get more information on him. And it's just, it, it may, you know, hurt his psyche a little when all of a sudden he goes from being super dominant to not being able to do anything. So I think with rookies, you do have to bring them along very slowly because, I mean, let's be honest. There are people out there who 